people deluded i'm back again good morning and i hope you're all doing well and safe welcome back to another edition of the deluded podcast the dg podcast the really and truly podcast as i say every episode it seems to take on a new name either way i'm happy you're here please make sure you know you've hit the follow button on spotify and the necessary buttons across all the other social streaming platforms and things like that and I uh, better yet just streaming platforms any information in regards to my socials can be found in the description of this very podcast but deluded guna 04 and everything for those of you who care apart from twitch which is deluded guna 187 so between youtube spotify and the rest of it i've got you covered people and after this podcast i'm actually going to tactically review the arsenal game and then obviously get back to youtube content but Personally, I look forward to doing the podcast. Podcasting is probably my favourite thing beyond the young players because it's a chance to talk about football from a neutral point of view. We typically cover some topics which aren't typically covered on my YouTube. And it's a night, as much as I love Arsenal Football Club, and don't get it twisted, people, we are going to spend a good portion of time speaking about Arsenal after we beat Newcastle, three goals to nil. Um, There's more to life than that, people. So let me not waste any more time. Now, Leeds versus Brighton. The beautiful thing and the beauty about football is it isn't one on paper because if I was a betting man, I would have said Leeds could have scored a couple there and had a convincing win based on the way Brighton and them are playing. Now, this is what I'm talking about because when we think of Leeds or Bielsa's side, we think of aggressive in a positive way. We think of dominating. We think of a lot of positive connotations. For me, they weren't at it at all against Brighton. You know, Bamford loves missing a tapping and none of their players really played well enough for Brighton. They're, they're loving it, isn't it? Neil Mope, you know, he, he's been on a bit of a drought recently. He's been finding the back of the net consistently. He has scored more league goals against Leeds, um, four, four in five appearances than any other opponent in his career, people. That probably stretches back to his time at previous clubs like Brentford I believe Mupe was at so he's someone that could be described as a villain and someone that fully doesn't like Leeds in the footballing sense so I think it was very I, I was just I, I listen credit to Brighton because Brighton's goal you know McAllister all the men that were there that were involved it was a good move but I couldn't believe how cold Leeds looked how toothless they looked people and it isn't going good for Leeds of recent because with that Leeds have lost their first three matches in the calendar year for the first time since 2014 which was under former Leeds gaffer and obviously Reading and I think he actually held a position ironically at Arsenal Brian McDermott people with that as well Brighton are the only Premier League team without a home win in the Premier League this season but have won more games on the road then the reigning champions Liverpool they've won three on the trot so it's a weird season and things like that sum up even more reason as to why it's weird people now Burnley were defeated a goal to nil by West Ham now you know I think West Ham played well they could have scored a couple but Burnley probably could have got a bit more at the game if they played a bit better but I think for me, you know, we have to take this time when speaking about West Ham to hail up Mikel Antonio. Whatever you think about him, he reached 40 Premier League goals for West Ham. That is a fantastic achievement for him. And he joins Paolo Di Canio, Cal and Cole, Mark Noble, people that, you know, have been at West Ham or been part of the furniture at West Ham or star players for West Ham or a memorable face at West Ham at any period. So shout out to Mikel Antonio, people. Shout out to Mikel Antonio. Now, you know, the Black Country derby, the Midlands derby, as I refer to it as a five goal thriller. Leeds versus, uh, man said Leeds, West Brom versus um, Wolves. Again, West Brom won three goals to two. Now, you know, for West Ham, for Sam, for West Brom, apologies early. And for Steve um, and for Big Sam, 
first things first, you need three points. So I guess, you know, they're happy that they've got three points. They're hoping that this can propel them to do better things. It was a crazy game, you know. Pereira scored two goals. Wolves fought back at a time, you know. Willy Bowley conceded a penalty and then I think he's technically got a goal and an assist in, in, in this game. So it was a mixed emotions for everybody, including him. You know, Fabio Silva scored, but he's on a bit of an unlucky run in terms of scoring for his club. Um, I think you have to credit West Brom because they need points and it was a big performance. You know, I think former Arsenal players, Kyle Bartley did very well. Semi Ajayi did very well. If I can remember correctly, Gibbs put in a shift. Man to a man, I think West Brom Majalbian deserved that. You know, for Wolves, they shot themselves in the foot. They clawed themselves back in the game and then let it slip really and truly, in my humble opinion. With that being said, you know, Sam Allardyce again, Sam Allardyce's career is on the line in the sense of, you know, when your team's threatened by relegation, you call Big Sam. This will probably be Big Sam, Sam Allardyce's biggest achievement if he manages to keep them up. As to whether he can do that, personally, I don't think West Bromwich Albion can stay up, but it is what it is, people. Matheus Pereira, I think, apart from his penalties, was quite anonymous. He, 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 however, is the first player to score two penalties in a Premier League match for a newly promoted club since Chris Brunt did so, obviously, for West Brom. But he did it in 2011 against Liverpool. You know, shout out to Fabio Silva for scoring the young 18-year-old. But Wolves have actually lost both of their Premier League games in which Fabio Silva has scored. They also lost 2-1 in December to Burnley. This makes him the youngest player ever to lose both of the first two Premier League games in which he scored. Um, hopefully that could be put right because that's never nice Wolves have conceded the first goal in each of their last nine Premier League matches people this is their longest run ever conceding the opening goal in the competition so maybe there's a way that Wolves need to start games better maybe there's a practice that Wolves are doing where they can improve who knows um, Sheffield United obviously Sheffield United Sheffield United obviously you know again I'm sure the points were very favourable in terms of Sheffield United. They actually have a decent record against Spurs, but it's normal service. And I think, you know, shout out to David McGoldrick. He deserved his goal. He's one of the only Sheffield United players that looked half decent. You know, credit to Spurs because they put them to the sword and they did what they needed to do. And there was no real Sheffield were never in this and and whatnot. But I feel I'm not focusing on how on, on how bad Sheffield United were to take anything away from Spurs because, you know, Kane did what he needed to do for my FBL points. Aurier, you know, Spurs typically score very early on. They're up there for early goals in the Premier League and it took Aurier five minutes. And Dombile, obviously, I think the keeper's doing a madness there. I don't know, Ramsdale was all over the place in that game, but it's a good strike from Ndombele. And Ndombele played very well in that more withdrawn role. And this is what I mean by Ndombele has the potential to be a complete midfielder if he really works hard. Because at Lyon, he did what he did. I don't know why, not necessarily Spurs fan, but the footballing world, they were shocked that Ndombele was playing more of a withdrawn role and actually dominant. I saying, did you not see this guy for Lyon a couple of times against City? Did you not see him at Amiens? Did you not see him at, at Lyon in general? He can, you know, What he needs to do is define himself. He can play the box-to-box role. He can show discipline in, this, in the position he played, in the role better yet he played against Sheffield United. Obviously, historically at Spurs, not saying he is a 10, but he has been the creative sort. So it's like, you know, you'd have people behind him. He goes out and does his creative thing. 
he's 23 24 years of age so there's a lot of you know it's, it's there's he's completely different from Pogba but there's similarities in that he can do a bit of everything in the next couple of years you want to see him be a specialist of one then if the game or moment or the manager dictates he's able to do other things but you know it's almost like I won't say it's a new player because it's always been there but Jose seemed to have blessed the beef it was a fantastic goal by Endombele and he deserved it I think Kane worked hard Son you need to get on the goal scoring sheet for my FBL team you know Burge Wright worked well but he's never gonna score he doesn't like scoring he should stick to YouTube but yeah man you know I'll take nothing away from Spurs man to a man they were good you know Rodon I think he was all right but I think you can't not speak about Sheffield because there was a stage you know obviously I'm not gonna lie I think Sheffield United if I was looking to find positives as Chris Wilder I think there was a stage in the second half they kind of had Spurs there was a bit of fight back they walked they, they, they somewhat woke up but you know, I think they're, they, this is the sort of, the way they're playing, they deserve to go down. It's, it's poor. It's like you're looking around, you know, Oliver Norwood losing the ball carelessly in midfield. You've played for Manchester United and you've been a seasoned pro across a couple of championship teams. You know you shouldn't be losing the ball in the areas you was losing the ball. You know, Aurier, again, he's not one of the, he's probably one of the shortest on the football field. So if he scores five minutes in for a header, this tells me mentally you're not prepared, you're not marking properly and you're just poor. You know, Endombele's goal in the build-up to it is poor on the transition from Sheffield United. It's a good goal, but it's terrible goalkeeping for me. And uh, Aaron Ramsdale, he never, you know, it was a bit Sunday league-ish from Sheffield United. Everyone's all over the place. And to be fair, I don't know how Chris Wilder hasn't been sacked yet because this is the name of the game. You know, it's absolutely appalling. The only player I think looked half decent, you know, Am Am Amfadu played couple tackles and stuff like that. Bogle was okay, but they were trash, man. I actually only feel Dave McGoldrick looked half decent, looked like someone that wants to be playing Premier League football. You know, Spurs won't care. Spurs get three points. You know, I did. I, I didn't think um, Hoiberg had the best of games by his own standards that he set at, at Spurs. But Spurs look good. They deserve their goal. I'm sure Jose and Spurs, if at a push, they won't be happy with messing up the clean sheet because I did think a clean sheet was there for the taking by Sheffield United. But three goals, three points. You know, Spurs have been dropping a couple of silly points recently. I'm sure nobody will care. With that, though, um, Sheffield United have conceded 15 goals at Bramall Lane in the Premier League this season from 10 games. That's as many as they did in the whole of last season, where out of 19 home games, they only conceded 15. And this is what I mean by you need to build upon things. Because, again, Sheffield United, they were a bit of breath of fresh air in that nobody expected them to play like the way they did in the sense of everybody expected them to you know be kind of defensive they hardly got technically great players but I feel the mentality the tactics it was a culture shock for Premier League teams but you know it's been clocked now people know what they're about they haven't adapted they're a bit of a one-trick pony again probably that squad's been around for a while and they needed to build upon it so you know this kind of highlights how 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 backwards they're going Harry Kane is actually the first player to score six consecutive Premier League in sorry in six consecutive Premier League appearances in Yorkshire. Um, you know Mark Viduca is the only other man. Spurs have scored five goals in the opening five minutes of Premier League football games this season, which is more than any team. So you know they start off fast out of the blocks. People, when did they? What minute did they score against Arsenal? I'm sure it was an early goal as well when Bellerin made his mistake. So three points for Spurs. Sheffield United can't buy a win, and to be fair with you, it's even more of a, an extra boost if you're someone like West Brom because I think Sheffield United, West Brom, they're the two teams to get nailed down. I was saying Fulham a couple of weeks ago, but I want them to stay up, but I throw them into that. 
you know, I feel Newcastle are, are sleepwalking into that as well. So again, I'm sure everybody's looking at at Sheffield United as a bit of a lifesaver. They've fully gone down, in my opinion. They fully need to prepare for life outside of outside of the Premier League. I don't know which one of you players can get Premier League moves. I think Bogle could grab one. And Manfred is obviously going back to Chelsea. I don't rate Ramsdale at all, really. After um, I used to like him at, at, at um, Bournemouth, but I think he's quite poor. He probably could bag a move somewhere, really. I'd be, I'd hope David McGoldrick for the culture could bag a move, but you know his age probably goes against him. You know Brewster again, you're not really playing like so. You can't even get in the Sheffield United squad, so I don't really know for a move. But again, he's someone that could get a move. But this is all wishing and hoping. There's not anybody I look at that can say, "Yo, you're definitely moving." You know, you're definitely staying in the Premier League. So they need to put put their block up their ideas. And for me. If I was Sheffield United at this point, you know, I don't think there's anything Chris Wilder can say. I think if he really wants an emotional response, go and bring the kit man that's been there for 30 years. Go and bring the dinner lady. Go and bring, you know, someone who's probably driven coaches since they've been in the championship. Go and bring the people that really are the heartbeat of the club, the people that really stand to lose something. Like, of course, if you're not playing in the Premier League is at L. There is financial com- um, issues as well. But who's going to feel the pinch more? You know, the footballer or the honest man and woman that has a nine to five trying to put money on the t- on the bread bread on the table for their kids, food on food in their bellies and obviously clothes on their back. Who is going to feel it more? I think they're at that point now. They have to get them sort of people in because I don't think maybe it's the same voice they're hearing from Chris Wilder. Maybe these players can't engineer it themselves, but maybe an emotional response is needed. At least, you know, you're going down. At least go down with some dignity, you know. I've been watching a lot of Vikings on on Amazon people, you know, they 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 love to die with honor, die on their sword, sort of thing, so they can go to Valhalla, you know, sort of thing, you know. That's what they, if you lot are gonna go down, give yourself some credibility, because Sheffield United, they're nailed. On, I don't think they're quite as bad as the Derby side that we saw a couple of years ago, but they're rubbered on right now if they continue like this to cement themselves in history as one of the worst teams to play in the Premier League in a single campaign. What they did last year firmly becomes irrelevant. Um, so they're going to need to buck up their ideas. But, you know, so far so good for the London clubs. West Ham won, Spurs won, you know, depending on where you, some people, well, London's not, Brighton's not London, but it's only two seconds away. Obviously, you know, so you've had a West Ham win, a West Bromwich Albion defeat, sorry, West Ham win, Wolves victory, Brighton have won, Spurs have won. Moving away to Chelsea versus Fulham. I personally, obviously I'm an Arsenal fan. I always want Chelsea or Spurs to lose. But um I feel Fulham were shagged, man. I feel they were they they can feel at the end of the day, Spurs, you know, courtesy of Mason Mount, Chelsea eventually got the break for you, did kind of see it coming. But it's sad and it's cruel that, you know, football's a harsh world and, you know, there are many things they could have done better to not lose. But it's all about, I feel sorry that Fulham didn't take anything from this. They deserved it. I don't want to harp on about the red card, but clearly the red card from Robertson changed things. It's a stupid tackle to make from Robertson, but I did think Aspilicueta got him sent off. In today's day and age, it should be a yellow. It is a red. I think if Aspilicueta doesn't milk that, he probably doesn't go to VAR, but it is milked. And for Robertson, to be fair, you know, Robertson's someone I'm keeping an eye on. If Fulham go down, I wouldn't mind him personally, based on what I'm seeing as a backup sort of fullback for Kieran Tierney, because ironically in that game, he looked like someone that's causing the most problems. I think Tete could have definitely scored um, and, and what's-his-face should have scored as well. Um, Claviero, you know, he's missed kicking great chances. They had chances, but I think Robertson looked good. Tete, when he went forward, looked, the fullbacks looked like they were causing problems. Man to a man, you know, Fulham, I 
think they really put in a shift man to a man and it's a completely different team to the one I saw when we played them on the opening day and subsequent weeks. You know, for me, I thought Fulham were rubbled, rubble, rubber, rubber gripped, rubber stamped to go down because of the way they're playing. And I still think they might go down, but I'm seeing togetherness. I'm seeing fight. I'm seeing commitment from, from Scott Parker. It genuinely looked like they could get a point, nick a point out of this game, get something out of this game. I think they remained, you know, they pending. They remained difficult to break down and things like that. You know, I think Fulham played very well. It's unfortunate about the goal. You know, Ariola's made the save. Isn't too much more he can do. Mount, who, I don't know why Mount was, you know, Mount needs to calm the hell down, you know, based on what he was doing with Robertson. You know, if I was Robertson, I would have just smacked this shoot, to be fair. He needs to calm himself. I don't know why he was so charged up. I think Chelsea, if we're real, Chelsea struggled and been struggling. But at the moment, at this moment in time, a wins are winning it. Now it should be a more convincing win. But they won one 0 against Fulham. And to be fair with you, Fulham have put in a number of committed performances. That you know, Lookman looks a different player. Bobby Reid puts in a shift. The midfield, the keeper, the defence, man to a man, they put in a shift. I think if if it's, it stays at eleven men. They can do something. And to be fair with you, they were even brave. You know, at 11 men, at 10 men down losing a man, most people would, and listen, there's nothing wrong with it, would you say, do you know what? Let's sit back, damage limitation. They were still pressing Chelsea. And, you know, it took it took Chelsea to the almost to the very end to score. And ultimately, it doesn't really matter because Fulham don't get nothing out of the game. But there's a lot of positives. Now, you all saw Chelsea rotated the side, you know, Werner on the bench and... It's, it's, I feel sorry for Werner, man. It's almost like the Donny can't even buy a goal. Apologies. I'm sure you all saw, you know, just... just it's just not happening. When it's not happening for you, it's just not happening for you. So, yeah, he was... They made a lot of changes and, you know, the changes were backed up. I don't think Giroud gave himself any graces. I know Giroud's been a, a, a saviour of recent, but I don't think he helped his case. Um, Tammy Abraham as well. I'd be quite peed off if I was Frank Lampard because there was one incident. Bearing in mind, it's only 1-0. Tammy's missed the tapping and the game is still going on, but he's got his hands on his head. He's dropped to the floor. He's dropped to his knees and he's getting back languid. Considering you came off the bench, I'd be bollocking Tammy for that personally. Um, it is what it is though fundamentally Chelsea won Mason Mount's opener was the 11th goal Chelsea have scored in the final 15 minutes of a Premier League match this season no side has netted more, netted more in this time period in the competition so again Chelsea are needing late winners Chelsea are making a lot of games harder than it needs to be we're only two points behind the league challenges in Chelsea relegating threatened Arsenal so that might highlight how poor they've been people and you know in relation to scoring in the last 15 minutes, you know, Chelsea are up there for it. So are Leicester. Now, it's Leicester versus Chelsea today, Tuesday, people. So, psh, make of that what you will. It's also Shrewsbury Town, I believe, against Southampton. And the winner will play us in the FA Cup on the weekend. But that's going to be an interesting one. Leicester City versus Chelsea. Obviously, Brendan Rodgers plays his old club. Leicester a second. Chelsea need to keep winning if they can get two, two wins from six points from two wins. I'm sure their fans will be laughing. But relation to this game, the South West London derby, Fulham lost to their neighbours, Chelsea. But they went down fighting. They went down on their swords. There was a lot of commitment. The way Fulham lost, completely losing is losing, isn't it? And still in the relegation. But I'd rather be Scott Parker and them sort of players than Sheffield United and his sort of players because I think they went down fighting. They Fulham died on their sword sort of thing. And to be fair with you, in the last couple of weeks, you know, Fulham have worked Chelsea. They've played well against Man City. I'm sure they got a point against Spurs I could be wrong in that regards I'm sure Lookman doppied someone and crossed it for Calviero to score so they've been putting in a shift and if they continue you know who knows it might not be enough to stay in the league people but 
you know, they give themselves half a try. With that though, Fulham are sadly remain win they sadly remain winless in their last nineteen London derbies. They've drawn two and lost seventeen people. Now Manchester United versus Liverpool over the weekend, that was the one that Obviously, if you're an Arsenal fan, you're looking at the Arsenal game on a Monday and whatever team. But that was sort of the headline show. That was the sh- that was the, the the Sky Box box Sky Sports box office seller sort of thing. Um, and I, I know a lot of people will criticise it. I enjoyed that game between Liverpool and United. To be fair, in the first half, it felt a bit like playground football. In that there was a lack of space. Everybody somewhat chasing the ball. I think early on, United looked good on the counter attack. You know, I'd be quite. I think I think, think Martial was quite poor. But between Martial and more so Rashford, just stay on side, man. At some points, it's so obvious you're not on side. Just stay on side because I think that ball on the left, over to the left, um, on that run, that was the one thing that was going to look like it's going to threaten Liverpool. And both teams had chances to nick the game. You know, Alisson made a big save to deny someone. Pogba could have nicked it at the end. You know, for me, there was one incident. Rashford broke and he could have slipped in someone. He carried and carried and carried and he and he just showed his poor decision making. You know, to for Rashford's a top player, but to go to that top top level, he's got to make decisions quicker. You know, for Liverpool, you know, I think Fabinho was quality at centre half, absolutely quality. You know, I think Pogba showed a good couple passes. I think Allison had some good passes. I think man to a man, you know, from a Liverpool perspective. You know, I couldn't ask more of Allison. I think their fullbacks did all right. I think the centre-halves, Fabinho and Henderson, mucked in very well there. The midfield shift. If anything, I think they've lost... I don't want to just blame the front three, but I think they've lost this because of the front three. You know, Mane not really involved. Salah not taking man on. They were all poor in it, but I think Firmino was quite frankly trash in that game. He should have had about a brace minimum himself. Firmino was trash and, you know, Firmino's a great player, but that front three has been letting Liverpool down in recent games and it let them down in this game. From a United perspective, you know, I'm sure United, again, Oli Golisolsha was very vocal on it and so was Luke Shaw in the sense of, you know, they're top of the league. They haven't set the world alight, but they find themselves top of the league. You know, it's a Liverpool game. They, they want to have a bit more fight and desire and passion and stuff like that against Liverpool. So I'm sure they weren't happy to for large periods of the game, definitely in the first half, to be penned in their half, you know, to kind of not, you know, to be struggling to play out from the back. I'm sure they wanted a bit more um, from that. But when you look at it, you know, if you was a better man, you'd probably have betted on Liverpool to win. United, you take a point. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a for me, it's a point isn't going to help anyone, but it's a better point for Liverpool than United because they could have made ground. But you live to fight another day, people. You know, both teams could have won it. I feel from a United perspective, I think Luke Shaw, I know a lot of people are very quick to get at Luke Shaw. I think Luke Shaw put a shift in. You know, there's no Bailly. So I think it's always concerning, especially, you know, Bailly's only problems is his injuries. I don't know why he weren't involved. United fans will have to tell me or enlighten me. But, you know, I'm sure United fans or many footballing fans would have said, ah, you know what, you've taken out Bailly, you've brought back Lindelof. You know, what's going on there if it went differently? I think Lindelof put in a shift. I think, I think United put in a shift. I don't think Liverpool really worked De Gea. I think there is definitely one big save De Gea had to make. It stands out in my head. But, you know, I don't think they made him save. You know, Bruno Fernandes was quite anonymous. I think you you can ask him questions. You know, if, if, if it was Pogba, there'd be a lot of questions. But, I mean, Bruno nine times out of ten has pulled them over it. Um, You know... I think United would have, you know, I'm sure that when you look at it, I'm sure United would have liked to have had a bit more of a threat at Allison's goal. I think United had the better chances, really. I don't think the hair was really tested, but I'm sure United would have liked to consistently been on the front foot a bit more rather than there were times they were in their own half. They were, I won't quite say hanging on for dear life, but there was that. 
think it was a good game. You know, Thiago started brightly and then went anonymous. I think Shakiri was okay in the game personally. Yeah, man, I think it was a decent game. I just think when you look at it, you know, Liverpool's front three were toothless. Manchester United's front three struggling to stay on side, really and truly. And, you know, you can't say Oli sat back. He even brought on Cavani. I think it was a good game. Both teams live to fight another day, really and truly. And if they both, I guess if both sets of fans and everyone connected with either club in both sets of where, if they look at that game again, I think a point is a fair result because there was both, there was times both teams, you know, Firmino should have scored, Pogba and Rashford probably had chances to score. Both teams could have nicked it. So on the balance of things, you live to fight another day. Of course, there's more caution with Liverpool. Oh yeah, and I have to shout out Pogba, man. He's playing in that awkward role, but and it's not that he played amazing, but some of his passes into that left-hand channel for Rashford. I think I've said it already, but it was quality, people. It really was. United could have done better on the counter-attack and cemented a, a goal, really. Um, for Liverpool, though, what is three games and they've not scored in three? Apparently, Sky Sports said I could be wrong in that regard. You know, four games without a win, they still keep their home record, that fantastic sixty-odd game um, home record. But it's quite concerning for Liverpool. They're front three are not doing the business and if you don't shoot you don't score if you don't score you can't win it's as simple as that you know in in relation to the game though people you like i said it's a point to fight another day both teams will play each other in the fa cup this weekend probably be a different sort of game i think both teams in theory can again there is bragging rights and stuff if you lose and and all of these things but i think there might be a couple of rotations there so the you know the intensity might be lost um, and I do think there's not that handbrake because it is the FA Cup it's not the Premier League uh, Marcus Rashford a quality player but needs to stay on side he was called offside four times in the opening 45 minutes and even Ole Gullososha was getting annoyed at the sense of if you listen to his post-game comments he kept saying we didn't need to keep looking for Rashford all the time it's not every time he makes that run that we need to play it um, If you, like, I was really honest and refreshing post-game interview from Oli Solskjaer and you could see Jurgen Klopp was quite vexed as well people as he would be you know Jurgen Klopp you know I, I, he is a very big not every manager's a sore loser but it's like people when when they win he's the nicest guy you know he shouts boom he wears a cap he's someone that clearly is a very nice guy but when he loses he's a very sore loser very sore loser he doesn't get his results um none of that today though or in the game you know Rashford needs to stay on side people you know this was his most offsides in a Premier League match and is a joint most of any player in a full game this season your professional footballer stay on side man Son had four against Southampton Manchester United's first shot came in the 34th minute people which is their longest their longest wait from the start of a Premier League game for their first attempt on target since their game at since the previous game at Anfield in January 2020 so again they could have had a bit more about them maybe a couple of players were respecting Liverpool a bit too much you know I did feel it got to the point you wanted to see Man United play the occasion not the team there was even in the second half you know it seemed like United they wanted to go forward like they, they it was there but it was like they were kind of fearful for what Liverpool are about and you know these are the things they've got to get over now Moving away from that, and Manchester United's neighbours, Manchester City, completely mashed up Crystal Palace four goals to nil, people. Fantastic goals. You know, John Stone scored a brace and... John Stone's revival or rotunda as they call it now is fantastic to see surely he's back in England contention people um you know again for me his standout game was I think he was quality against Southampton people away from home when they won 1-0 he was also quality in this game now they didn't have much to do defensively he scored a thunderous header and he scored a good reactionary finish as well Kevin De Bruyne is such an amazing footballer and is there any 
adject- adjectives or superlatives to describe Kevin De Bruyne and what he's doing in this Premier League. I can only call the man amazing, you know. Not quite Emil Smith-Rowe, but Kevin De Bruyne is all right. Now I'm playing. Kevin De Bruyne was quality. Gundogan, you know, Gundogan goes under the radar, especially. I, I wouldn't say he's underappreciated, but when you're a team with the wealth of riches and options like Manchester City and you've got Kevin De Bruyne, a man don't necessarily take Gundogan in. And Gundogan is the man for scoring some great finishes. Gundogan scored a lovely finish. Kevin De Bruyne was spot on. John Stone's convincing performance. Everybody had convincing performances. Phil Bernardo Silva can actually offer a lot more in terms of goals. I don't think he's been in among the goals too often. Um, and you have to, you can't not, you know, Raheem Sterling misses a penalty one week, scores his first career direct free kick in the other. Fantastic strike from the Gaza man. And you know, you know, from your JA tug, I'm always going to, always going to be a stand for Raheem Sterling. Um, Raheem Sterling propaganda, you know, he scored his first direct free kick for the first time in his senior career. Hopefully that's the first of many. You know, John Stones and Diaz seems to be the partnership at the moment. And, you know, and, and City, they've got some fantastic problems. You know, Diaz has been the man. John Stones has been the hero, then the zero on his back being the, the hero. Laporte, you know, he's had some injuries and been a forgotten man. And there's a big reason, in my opinion, as to why City kind of messed up in their title challenge last year. You know, Laporte's there. They've got some fantastic options to complicate things. You know, Ake's probably not in the picture like that, but he's doing his thing. You know, Manchester City, they're just slowly and surely just clawing their way back. Like a lot of talk has been between... Liverpool and United and even Leicester and even more so because them two two of those three teams I mentioned played each other this week nobody's really talking about City and you know you will have to talk about City but they're just quietly creeping up the table people and I swear they have a couple games or a game in hand I'm not sure if the Palace one factors into that but they're doing what they need to do they're keeping clean sheets they're scoring a lot of goals they're creeping up the table and Happy belated 50th birthday to Pep Guardiola. I think it was his birthday yesterday, Monday. With that, though, Manchester City are unbeaten. Um, um, apologies, people. They, uh, Manchester, that, that's actually meant to be. Apologies, I don't know why that's here, but I didn't mention it in relation to Manchester United. Manchester United are unbeaten in their last 16 away games in the Premier League, people. Um, so going back to the old game, that's another Manchester United stat. But Manchester City are the first team to record five consecutive victories in the Premier League this season. They're now unbeaten in nine games in the competition, drawing two and winning seven of their last nine. Shout out to Kevin De Bruyne. He has now assisted 100 goals in all competitions for Manchester City, 31 more than any other Premier League player since making his debut for the club. You've got to give Gundogan praise. You know, Gundogan, if you want to be loved, come to Arsenal, please. Um, I'm joking. Um, he is, you know... Gundogan has scored four goals in his last six Premier League matches. That's as many as he scored in his previous 55 in the competition. And I know Gundogan, they've asked, Pep has said he wants uh, he wants more in an attacking sense from Gundogan. I know Gundogan's been playing slightly more advanced, but I'll never know the actual reason for it. But either way, you know, he's doing what he needs to do. And he's got six goals in all competitions this season. Um, and that's his joint most um, for the for a club in a single campaign. So he's having a solid season. Um, Southampton, I'm sure Southampton are going to want to take out their revenge when Hassan Hutu's men welcome Arsenal to their place. We've got to play them twice. They lost 2-0 against Leicester. Leicester play Chelsea today, so they set themselves up in the right way. You know, Harvey Barnes had a com- had a convincing performance. And again, you know, he's into double figures for goals, I think, as well. And 
it's a bit harsh, but surely just based on how he's playing, he should be in the England side who's played his way into contention. Speaking of England, Madison scored an absolute cracker and it's going to help him. James Justin goes from strength to strength and he's just unfortunate we're stocked with a lot of fullbacks and some fullbacks that aren't even in the England first team picture. Um, you know, it was a near near enough perfect game. Jamie Vardy, just it just wasn't happening for Jamie Vardy against Southampton sometimes for some of the game people. He had seven shots against Southampton. This is his highest ever tally in a single Premier League team game, sorry, without scoring against us against such team. Um Southampton looked all over the place for me at times defensively. Um a bit disjointed. I'm sure Hassan Hortle won't be happy, but you know. Leicester go marching on and for me Leicester have set themselves up in the right in the right way because you know they've got Chelsea today I'd probably back Leicester to win so that might mean Chelsea might give them a scare but they did what they needed to do in that regards people so you know we've spoke about Fulham we spoke about Brighton we spoke about Burnley we've touched on Wolves versus West Brom United versus Liverpool Spurs and Sheffield United City against Palace we've got to save the best till last Arsenal now we've kept five clean sheets now it's amazing people and what can I say you know in fact before I start singing our praises not necessarily the negatives but when I look at it with balance you know we're still needing the second half to turn games around or turn it away because for me I want the way we start we played in that second half why couldn't we play that in the first why couldn't we go into half time at 3-0 up do you get it and I know it's a psychological thing because when we're bopping them Certain players that were, haven't been doing this, you know, we're playing one Tuesday's movement and all of those sort of things. The, that's the only thing I can really criticise from us. I would have liked to have seen us score in the first half, shut the game off in the first half. As a team this season, we haven't been clinical in general and we haven't been clinical in the first half. And I will say our set pieces as well, you know, our set pieces needs a lot of work on in terms of corners. The short ones don't bang, the long ones finally hardly hit a man. There's a lot of work in that regards. But the positives, first and foremost, three points. Now, four points from our last two games. I, I would have liked six. I'll take four points. You know, four points, five games unbeaten in the league now, I believe. Maybe even six in all comps or four in the league, six in all comps. What? Chelsea, Brighton, West Bromwich Albion, Crystal Palace and... and um, Newcastle, yeah. So unbeaten in five in the Premier League, six in all comps when you consider the FA Cup tie against Newcastle as well. Um, it is what it is, you know. Three points, clean sheet, three goals. You know, Aubameyang got a brace. Smith-Rowe and Bakayo Saka, convincing performance in terms of Haylen. Shout out to Cedric. I think Cedric had a very good game, probably the man of the match for me. Thomas Partey, another contender, absolute baller. You know, he got an assist and he was involved in two of the three goals, but he's always looking for that pass, you know. It's a... I almost feel starved in, in the sense of Arsenal. You know, it's a luxury to see Thomas Partey play that pass, but that should be a given. You know, it is another clean sheet as well. Convincing performance from all my defenders. Tierney from, from start to finish showed us what we missed against Palace. I'm not going to complain, people. We did what we needed to do. And again, you know, Arteta spoke about fitness as a point, as a reason as to why we drew against Palace. So I was looking looking at this game with a bit of weary because we played on the Thursday. We are now playing on the Monday. I thought we would have seen a bit more of a fight back because there was fighting talk from Steve Bruce's side. And I thought it was like a wounded animal. And I think, you know, I think that the team's probably it needs to divorce from Steve Bruce because they were playing the same way 3-0 down as well as it was 0-0. And I didn't really see Newcastle have a go at us. For me, I saw enough attacking players from Newcastle to present issues. We knew what Newcastle wanted to do. 4-4-2, two banks of four, win the first and second balls, try and exploit aerial situations and things like that. 
And I want to, and another thing, I want to stop going into games at half time nil nil and giving teams confidence. First half, I think first opening twenty, we were on top of them. You know, we were on top of them the whole game, but I think we was on top of them. But I think you know, again, first twenty, more or less first first half, it highlighted that Arsenal have an issue consistently breaking down low blocks. So we need to work on that. It firmly followed the theme of Crystal Palace and the FA Cup game against Newcastle. Gaps did start to open, and really, it was a second half turnaround. You know, Smith Rowe absolutely lovely. You know, getting into those pockets, Xhaka and Partey playing it forward. You know, Abamian's getting a brace, and he deserved that. You know, it's a confident performance. But Kyle Saka getting back on into goal scoring form as well you know three points we did what we needed to do in that game people we did what we needed to do I'm not going to complain you know Aubameyang has scored as scored as many goals yesterday as he'd managed in his last 14 appearances so goals are like buses hopefully this can project Aubameyang to goal scoring ways and I know a lot of Arsenal fans were getting onto Aubameyang in that first half he's done what he can to shut them up Obviously, Aubameyang propaganda in terms of most Premier League goals scored since Aubameyang made his debut for Arsenal. You know, he's Aubameyang's on 59. Only Jamie Vardy with 61 and Mohamed Salah with 67 are ahead of him. You know, to be fair, Harry Kane's on 56. Mane's on 50. They're all fantastic players, people. Aubameyang has either scored four or assisted two in six of his last seven games against Newcastle in all competitions. And he's found the net in each of his last four against the Magpies. So he firmly likes playing them. Um, Thomas Partey, big him up as well. Because if you look at the numbers of the game, he played 66 minutes as he recovers from injury. Passing accuracy of 95%, 67 touches. In the final third, he made 14 entries. He recovered the ball nine times. He made three interceptions. He created two chances. He got one assist and he committed no fouls people um you know i think we're touching 16 games or so without smith Rowe actually losing for us but you know arsenal's record when emil smith Rowe has been in the starting lineup people it is win is three wins a draw you know w w w w draw draw w w w W, draw W. So again, he's coming like Undertaker at WrestleMania for a period. He ain't lost, man. Smith Rowe's an absolute lovely baller. And I firmly expect in March him to be in the England under 21 setup. Hopefully he keeps going from strength to strength. I still think we need an 8.5 and 8.5 because what happens when Smith Rowe isn't at it, like against Palace, he's still a young man, but he's doing what he needs to do. Smith Rowe is a lovely footballer. You know, he created a game high of four chances in the game um, against Newcastle and he obviously got an assist for. Saka since he made his first start against Chelsea only Bruno Fernandes with 12 has created more chances from open play than Smith Rowe who has 10 Smith Rowe has either scored um with his bag two or assisted five in seven of his last 10 appearances for Arsenal in all competition um the Englishman has provided two more assists than any other player for Arsenal this season with five. And considering he's more or less just come into it, that's a fantastic one. Saka propaganda. Only Nicholas Anelka, Seth Fabregas and Theo Walcott have been involved in more Premier League goals for Arsenal as a teenager than Bakayo Saka people. Um, once again, Arsenal have kept five consecutive clean sheets in all competitions for the first time since February 2009. We had six in total in that run. Smith Rowe has assisted three of Bukayo Saka's Premier League goals. They are the first English duo to combine for as many as three Premier League goals before Ivar has turned the age of 21. And that shows you Hayland is amazing. Big up Hayland Academy. Shout out to Bukayo Saka. Shout out to Thomas Partey. Shout out to Aubameyang. Shout out to Smith Rowe. Cedric. 
fantastic performance. Got an assist, solid on the right-hand side. You know, for me as well, in the build-up to one of the goals, he's actually won the initial header and party and whatnot have kept it moving. So I think it was a fantastic performance. You know, nobody in that game gets less than a seven for me. You know, I couldn't believe it. El Nene's come on and El Nene's doing crave turns. Xhaka is passing the ball forward. William is smiling and, you know, William is still William. And shout out to William because I think statistically now he's made the most appearances of any Brazilian player in the Premier League. So that's a part of history you can't take away from William. And, you know, it's about inspiring the next generation and that that's showing someone it can be done. Granite Xhaka had a good game and he won back possession a game high of 15 times in that game, people. So shout out to Xhaka um, in that regards as well. You might not be people's cup of tea, but you've got to give him praise, people. Not quite sure how long Steve Bruce is going to last because for me, the fighting talk, the galvanising the troops, the rallying cry he all did, it was all for nothing. It was very toothless against Newcastle and that must, I would take that if I was a manager as I can't get through to these players. You know, if you don't shoot, you don't score. There was no shots. There was no self-belief. And it just seems like they're resigned for something else to happen. And funny enough, you will see a new manager come in and there'll be an uptake short-term in results. Um, for Arsenal, Arsenal have won 16 and lost one of our last 17 matches against Newcastle. Newcastle have failed to score in eight of the last 10 games against us. Arsenal's last nine goals against Newcastle have all been netted in the second half, um, which could tell you something. Arsenal need to improve our, our, our corners because we've had a grand total of 12 corners successfully find a teammate out of 76 attempted into the penalty box, people. Only Newcastle and Sheffield United with three and two respectively have scored fewer first half goals at, at home than Arsenal with four. So again, we need to stop relying on second half turnarounds and, and do what we did in the in the second half in the first. We can improve in terms of our set piece delivery, people. Thomas Partey completed 55 of his 58 passes, people. That made a game and he made a game high of three interceptions at the time of being subbed and obviously registered, registered his first assist for the football club for a Bamiyan people. So, yeah, you know, Arsenal go marching on. We now can pause sort of stuff and move towards the FA Cup. Hopefully Chelsea can lose, you know, and Leicester can do us a favour so that we can finish ahead of Chelsea. I want to banter all my Chelsea supporting friends who have given me stress all season until the thing has turned around. So, yeah, as I said, once again, Leicester play. Leicester will play Chelsea. I actually want to make sure there's that's not the only Premier League game. I think that is the only Premier League game today. In fact, I'm chatting nonsense, people, because, again, in terms of Premier League previews, um, we'll speak about the weekend's action, but um, you've actually got, you know... You've got Leicester City against Chelsea, which is at 8.15 and that's the game everybody's looking at for me personally. Before that, you've got West Brom, who've just actually got a good win on the trot against the West Ham side. David Moyes against Sam Allardyce, you know, two guys that have been around in the Prem forever sort of thing. Good performances required from both teams. Like I said, Leicester versus Chelsea is the one for me. You've got Manchester United, Manchester City, apologies, welcoming Aston Villa to their place. An informed Aston Villa against an informed City game. I think that might be closer than, you know, people might think. Um, you've also got as well, Fulham, welcome Manchester United. And it's a bit harsh for Fulham. You just played Chelsea and lost. You've now got to play a team that's second in the table. For, well, first in the table, better yet. If, you know, I, in fact, I don't even know, man. I don't know with City's performances, what if any if anything has been changed, people. Apologies, let me actually see that, people. Premier League table, please. I'm never one for misinformation. So, yeah, Man United are top of the table. City are second. And, you know, well, City could advance. City have got a game in hand as well on Manchester United. So, 
and it'll be interesting. Both of them, well, in fact, Fulham and Man United kicks off after. So Man United will, again, you don't want to focus on what other people are doing, but you can imagine when Manchester United's players take to the field at Craven Cottage, they fully know the result of the City game or at halftime, they'll definitely be filtered in the result. Maybe it's not the wisest things to tell them, but who knows, people. You've got Aston Villa against Man City at six o'clock tomorrow. You've got Fulham who, you know, Good performance against Chelsea, but ultimately got nothing out of the game. Welcoming Manchester United to their place, who are first in the table, or, you know, the league leaders. So, again, you're going to need to do more of the same what you did against Chelsea. I think they were going to be without Robertson, of course, and they're going to be without Bobby Reid. I think Bobby Reid got a yellow card, so their task is made harder. You've got Liverpool against Burnley at Anfield again on Thursday, so they're going to need to make a reaction, people. So, in relation to the games to come, once again... West Ham against West Bromwich Albion, Leicester against Chelsea, Manchester City against Aston Villa, Fulham against Manchester United and Liverpool versus Burnley will wrap up the midweek games, people, before obviously we get into action on on, on the weekend. And there is going to be more midweek action next week, but that's all for Friday's podcast, people. Moving away from, from the Premier League sort of news, people, because we've spoken a lot. Um, you know, Facebook and Instagram, again, it's not exactly banning a user for life. And there's, I, I, again, there's we can sit here in another podcast and speak about this really and truly. But it's nice to see. Sad, it's not nice that this happened. You know, Ivan Tony was racially abused on social media. Um, as, as you as you lot know, they, 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 the cowards do that. Um, Ivan Tony posted on his Instagram story a screenshot or a screen grab of a user who replied to his, his page using the N-word and other derogatory terms. And Facebook deleted the username well the user from the account now we all know there's no way of actually you know unless you can somehow block an ip address and things you can't block that user really because he can just make another account or make it from another ip address and things but it's nice to see at least some people are being you know you're blocking man for stupid stuff and it's not going to change every result you know there's nothing wrong with positively critiquing footballers but no one deserves to be racially abused definitely from cowards and it's weird man you know it probably makes footballers paranoid because half the time these men that are racially abusing you they're probably asking you for a picture they're probably asking you for your shirt you know you're probably walking past them in the street you don't know who it is sort of thing and it's crazy and it's all cowardly but we all know that's that's the internet like even with me with my little youtube thing you do get a lot of racism and you know, somebody wished cancer on me the other day, people, you know, if you're going through cancer, I sympathise with you, you see, you see the sort of bad mind and the sort of language people are allowed to get away with, and again, it's crazy, you know, I take solace by the internet is their playground, I'm not saying it's right, but it's like, it's their playground, them and they are, they're going to say what they want, they couldn't say it to my face, because if I was wished that, then, you know, it's going to be a crime scene, but, um, I sympathise with footballers, you know, I, I would do the holding thing, you got, I, you Actually, a lot of times on Rob Holden's Instagram, I've wanted to commentate, you know, some holding propaganda and he's he's locked off the comments. So I've unfollowed him. There's no point following him, really. But I would do the holding thing where you stop letting man comment really and truly or restrict comments and things because it's long. I know nine times out of ten, these footballers don't really control their Instagram account, but it just it, it just gets long, man. It's just bare minions and whatnot. Away from that, though, Kieran Tierney, um, man said Kieran Tierney, Kieran, Kieran Trippier is not busting case. His 10-week ban for breaking betting rules, people, apparently, according to FIFA, will not be thrown out and, and their appeal has been dismissed and he'll have to serve his 10-week ban and FIFA have said it applies globally, not just in the Premier League. As you lot know, in December, he was suspended by the FA, but the ban was lifted temporarily in January 
off the back of an appeal. Um, the Spanish club argued that the FA could not ban a player who's not active in the league, but FIFA have backed the decision and saying sanctions imposed on the player by the English FA to have a worldwide effect. Apparently, Atletico are now taking their appeal to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. You know, his ban started on the 21st of December and will now resume. And that means he could, you know, miss a lot, including the 28th of February. Um, if 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 CAS Cas agreed to hear the case, he'll be free to keep playing until a decision is made, people. His ex his suspension cannot extend beyond the 28th of February, irrespective of what Cas decide. As it stands, following FIFA's decision, though, he'll miss the first leg of, of the Champions League tie against Chelsea on February the 23rd. But obviously, on March the 17th, he could play in the second, second leg, people. You know, he was fined and banned £70,000 after being found to have um, broken betting rules. And I know a lot of his Instagram, I mean, his WhatsApp messages were leaked and things like that. Make of that what you will, people. Away from that as well, people. Rather sadly, I know we're talking about elite football and, Euro and, and elite football. We just can't kindly touched on Europe. We've been speaking about the Premier League, but the grassroots clubs and apparently National League clubs have been dealt a major blow after being told future funding will be issued as loans and that grants will be only handed out in exceptional circumstances. So I do think clubs have been to you know what happens if you need if you're unable to repay these loans with with inflated payback fees or interest fees what happens if you need a grant and the people who judge the grants if it's the government or whatever have said it's not an exceptional circumstance you can see how these things are going to be subjective you know it's quite and, and again some national league clubs are going to die you know because of this because of the the knocks on knock on effect of covid and i feel you know, there's no coincidence. You're seeing a lot of people, you know, like I live in North London. Let's say this. I, some man might be an Arsenal fan, Spurs fan, whatever, Leighton Orient fan, whatever. But they'll, they'll go watch at Enfield Town or they'll go watch Boring Wood or what I do sometimes, go watch a Barnet. You know, a lot of the time, why you got to ask, why are they doing that? You know, and even the rising YouTube teams now, you know, man are going to watch YouTube teams or just Sunday league teams and all these national league teams. Why? Because we're feeling out of touch. Some fans are, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say it's cheap at, at, at non-league level. You know, even Sunday league is getting expensive. But, you know, typically fans are priced out, you know. So I think fans are being robbed the chance of being part of something, being part of a community. Obviously, people are losing jobs. People are losing football teams. It's not nice, people. And more can be done, people. So we're going to have to see what happens, people. As you lot know, in October... The, the football, the, the National League's um, free footballing division secured a 10 million grant from the government for the opening three months of the campaign. That grant funding has expired and a, and, and a total of 11 million as part of the government's 300 million record rescue package for sport is available to clubs to claim as loans over the next few months. Apparently, you know, a number of clubs... Um, um, in January told BBC that they'd only agreed to start the season during the corona pandemic and in the absence of fans on, on the understanding that continuing costs would be covered so again I guess we have to read the fine print but they might feel hard done by people which is quite upsetting before we get into transfer news very quickly people um, I wanted to mention something and let me scroll down to where it actually is um, Phil Neville apparently is the new manager of David Beckham's club into Miami the FA announced Phil Neville's uh, sorry if I said Gary Phil Neville's departure from his role with the England women's team on Monday and he was confirmed on Monday afternoon as Inter Miami's national team boss people um, you know, quite the quite the quite the movie he's living, and you know, I think in the cases of Phil Neville, it's a case of him just getting these jobs is is nepotism, nepotism, 
or, or in fact that's not that's a word when it's your family members to be fair with you or whatever it is for you know the old boys network he's obviously boys with De david beckham he didn't get it on merit you know did he necessarily get the role as team gb boss or england national team boss on merit either because what the hell was he doing to get it it's funny you know it's funny how some footballers have to grasp crazy what privilege can do for you. But um, yeah, man, Phil Neville's got that role. In relation to transfer news, you know, in fact, away from transfer news, um, I do think there's been a drop in, in the latest COVID testing in the Premier League, people allegedly, but apparently the numbers are still high. Apparently, you know, it's not that Chelsea didn't sign a strike already and they've technically got three on the books. Apparently, courtesy of the Athletic, Chelsea want to sign Haaland from Borussia Dortmund this summer, even though his release clause doesn't come into effect until 2022. Now, I'm sure they don't want to lose Highland Dortmund because they know that he's going to, you know, they're going to make a handsome profit on him and Jaden Sanjo and Jude Bellingham and Gio Reyna and the rest of them. So they'll only sell when time comes. He's central to their plans and it doesn't come into effect until 2022. So for me, if you really want Highland, you've got to pay stupid money. What is it? Not 70, is it not 70 million for, for him or 70 odd million in 2022? I'm saying, you know what, if you want him, you got to give me 100, 120. And for Chelsea, really, you know, Chelsea's a big club, of course. But again, when you're Haaland, you know, it's going to be the PSGs. It's going to be the Madrids. It's going to be the Barcelonas. Probably even Bayern Munich because Lewandowski's getting in. These are the clubs that are going to be circling for him. There's enough reasons to sign for Chelsea. Obviously, the London aspect as well. But I would probably hold out for one of these clubs. And if they want him, they're going to have to really overpay. Apparently, Chelsea are determined to bring in a top striker. And again, I wonder what that means. Now, we know Giroud isn't going to be there forever. So he's going to be moved on. I wonder what that means for Tammy Abraham. And I know Werner can play on the left, but I wonder what that means for him. Are they just going to nip the Werner one in the bud and sell him and things? Um, you know, Haaland's a great player. You saw him play well at the weekend and, you know, he's got 35 goals in 35 games, people. The man's not even... Is he, he must... He, is he even 20 yet? The man's a cyborg. The man's a robot. Like, this guy is a crazy footballer. And Chelsea, I'm sure, would... Would want that, you know, Roman Abramovich, if he's leading this charge, they will could get it done, people. But we'll have to see, people. For me, they hold out. Unless you're paying 100, 120 plus million, you're not getting him. Um, yeah, and like I was saying in relation to COVID, people, the Premier League says 16 players and club staff have tested positive during the latest rounds of testing. The league conduct, conducted 3,115 tests across two rounds over the past week. Um, between the 11th and 14th of January, there were 10 new positive tests and six more were found during testing between the 15th and 17th of this month. The number is significantly down on the 36 positive um, tests following last week's round of testing people. Um, I also saw courtesy of The Athletic keeping up the theme with Chelsea and spending. Chelsea topped the 2020 spending list of all UEFA clubs according to the Global Transfer Report. There was, however, a fall in the number of international transfers for the first time in a decade. Obviously, these are all effects with COVID and obviously Chelsea coming out of the transfer ban and exploiting that. I just thought it was important to mention that. And if you was to look at the 10 clubs who have spent the most, um, you know, they've said Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester City in third, Barcelona fourth, Juventus fifth, Leeds United sixth, um, Tottenham Hotspur seventh, Benfica eighth, Napoli ninth, 
and 10th Wolverhampton Wanderers people. Away from that, congratulations to Jack Wilshere. He has rejoined Bournemouth on a short-term deal until the end of the season. As you lot know, he's been training with them and building up fitness people. He previously made 27 appearances for them when he was on loan on a season-long loan there in 2016-17. You know, Mesut Ozil is going to Fenerbahce and it's all but complete. You know, Fenerbahce, I mean, you know, Fenerbahce again in a, 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 you know, there's no, when you talk about creativity, you know, Ozil is one of the best creators to have ever played in the Premier League, to have ever played in La Liga, to have ever played in Germany, to have ever kicked a ball. He's one of the best creative midfielders to do that. A mercurial talent, a mercurial uh, 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 um, creative player, a wonder of a left foot, truly a footballing enigma. And I'm, I'm quite peed off the way it's, end, it's worked out. I'm not going to go into depth about my opinions on Ozil. We all know my opinions on Ozil, but... I enjoyed you having here and it's nice to see that Arsenal and Ozil have divorced and now we can put an end to the chapter. Keen to see who gets Arsenal's number 10. Smith Rowe's doing all he can to get it. You know, Grealish, you said you like playing at the Emirates. The 10 shirt is free, Grealish. Come and sign for us, my guy. On a serious note, I don't know who, I don't think anyone's worthy of that 10 shirt. I see a Bamian and Lacazette reaching. I think Lacazette, you're even reaching to have our number 9 shirt. And, you know, a Bamian, you've been... You've pulled your weight in that number 14 shirt, but last couple of games has been a bit heavy, so let's steady on with, with all of that. Of course, it was all banter, people. Away from that, though, apparently UEFA Chiefs are pushing ahead with plans to hold the climax of the Euro 2020 at Wembley Stadium after being reassured by the scale of the UK's COVID-19 vaccination programme. Um, make of that what you will. Apparently, people... Um, Manchester United remain confident that Donny van der Beek will be a success at Manchester United, according to van der Sar. Um, apparently, the Premier League will become the first competition to introduce a permanent concussion substitute for matches from the middle of next week. And that's, that's, that's welcome to see. Obviously, there's been a lot of work with concussion and brain damage and things. So it's nice to see clubs have the luxury. There's less players for players to try and put play on. So they're not, so they're not really putting their team at an issue and things like that. Um, so yeah, apparently Fulham failed with a surprise move for their former striker Musa um, Dembele before he joined Atletico Madrid on loan last week. Apparently Inter Milan have agreed a deal to sign the 26-year-old Argentine midfielder Rodrigo De Paul, who's been linked with Leeds and obviously Liverpool. He's quite decent and he's someone I would have liked to Arsenal, but if he is gone there, it is what it is. Apparently, Jaden Sanjo's future is unlikely to be resolved this week, but a move could happen in the summer. Well, we knew no one is paying 100 million for Jaden Sanjo in January right now, especially the form he's in. He's not playing bad, but he's not setting the world alight. Apparently, Barcelona's out of favour Spanish left back Junior Firpo is interested in AC Milan and West Ham. Andy Carroll is apparently wanted by Sam Allardyce, but I have seen conflicting reports about that. Octavio. Um, the Brazilian defender, people, midfielder, apologies, who looks set to leave Porto when his contract runs out, is, is drawing interest from Leicester City, Roma and AC Milan, as well as Arsenal. We're all linked with the 25-year-old. Um, apparently, Arsenal would need to offer up to £50 million to tempt Norwich into selling midfielder Buendia. Now, for me, this is where, we, you know, again, they don't need to sell him. They're midway through a season. They're trying to get promoted. He's a key part to this. If you want a man, you have to make him. You know, I'd be prepared to go as high as 30, really. Um, but we need to force the issue. And maybe that Buendia would have to dig his heels in if he'd have to make the move, really and truly. 
Derby County, we all know they're struggling to pay their wage bills. And apparently, you know, the money they get in terms of a monthly free from City, you know, it kind of helps them in that regards. And Derby have angered Manchester City by blocking their attempt to sign their goalkeeper, Scott Parson, on a permanent deal as they keep to, they keep wanting to collect a loan fee for the 35-year-old Englishman. Um, apparently, Real Madrid have agreed a deal to sign Bayern Munich defender David Alaba, 28-year-old, on a free transfer. Um, you know, apparently Jesse Lingard's been linked with Spurs again, as well as West Ham, Marseille and Inter Milan. Apparently he's keen to leave, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is reluctant to let him leave this month. You know, AC Milan technical director Paolo Maidini says a loan move for Chelsea the English defender Tomori is close, but could still yet fall. For Tomori, that would be good. You know, I know he's technical director, but I would be making sure if I go over there, you know, Italy is the university of defending anyway. So a 23-year-old who's very young, you know, you've got a lot to learn and you could become a top defender in Italy and learn a lot of a lot of tricks and trades of the game and a lot of oh God, in and out the game, people. And I know, and, and on top of that, if I see Maldini is is, is the same organisation I technically work for being an employee and a player, whether Maldini is technical director or not, I am making, I am buzzing him every day and saying, yo, Maldini, me and you need to go to the training field. I want to pick your brains. I want every bit of knowledge, every crumb of dust in that brain in relation to defending. You know, to be fair with you, I don't really know what's going on with Tamori because they denied him a move to Everton. I, I don't know. I thought Tamori was one of Lampard's guys. You know, I thought, you know, he was one of his sons in that. He had him and Mount. He was there at Derby when I'm doing our thing here. You know, Deli Ali isn't playing football and I'm sure he wants to go to the Euros people. But to have any chance of that, he needs to play regular football. Apparently, PSG are applying pressure to sign to sign in. Pochettino wants to do it. Deli Ali wants to make the move. Jose is saying no. So we'll see what happens in that regards as we approach the last couple of weeks of this transfer window. Um you know, Mo Salah, we all know he's angling for a new deal at Liverpool. His contract runs out in 2023. So realistically, within the next 18 months, they're going to have to talk to the 20-year-old. And again, he's got a big decision to make. Apparently, Liverpool have no plans to offer him a new deal as of yet. You know, and again, you look at Liverpool's front line. They are going to need to... He's 28, you know. Aubameyang is 30-odd and he's still been doing it. Vardy's still doing it. There's no rush. But one does wonder... At 28 years of age, Mo Salah's won the Prem and the Champions League at Liverpool and he's done all the other stuff. And the same goes for Mane and to a lesser degree Firmino. And it kind of ties into Ronaldum. How long is this bunch of players going to stay together? Because I'm sure Salah loves it. You know, you got to remember when you're in a good place, a good working environment, you love it. You're winning stuff. But could, could he say, do you know what? I've been here for a number of years and a lot of people just see the back-to-back -back winning the Premier League and the Champions League. You've got to remember this, the bulk of this squad has been together or been in formation for the last four or five years. Maybe he's saying, Do you know what, I can leave a champion at Liverpool Again, with COVID regulations in mind, you know, a, a Barca might come for me, a Madrid might come for me. There's a new in, there's a new something to try and at 28, there might not be that. And obviously, you've got to maximise your earnings. So he's entitled to seek that from Liverpool. He's a key player. He deserves to seek that. Um, PSG have again been linked with Lionel Messi, but they're always linked with Lionel Messi, aren't they? I'm sure you've all seen as well, Danny Drinkwater, who only made 12 appearances in the Premier League since signing for Chelsea in 2017 for a reported £35 million. Mas Masterclass from Leicester.
to get that money, you know. More, more, absolute masterclass. You're touching over 100 million for drink water and Maguire. Masterclass. Only God knows how much they're going to make when they eventually have to sell Fofana, maybe Siyunchu, James Justin, the Madisons. You know, Barnes could even get a 30 million or so as well. Um, it's crazy. Tellerman's, if a bid ever came, you know. Danny Drinkwater has joined, has gone on loan to a third team since joining the club. I think he's been on loan at Burnley. I think he's, is it Villa? Something's telling me West Ham, but I'm sure he's been on loan at Burnley, Aston Villa. And he's now going to Kazim, Kazim Pasa in Turkey. Forgive me for mispronunciation. It seems a lot of players are going to Turkey as is Meza Ozil. So yeah, people, I know Chelsea have, have flunked a lot of money, but 35 million for Donny is up there. On that note, though, I don't think there is anything else to speak about, people. So, yeah, we've touched on the... We've reviewed the Premier League action. We've previewed the games to come this week. We've touched on transfers. Yeah, people, I'll be back again with on Friday with some more talking points, reviewing the Premier League action that we are that we've previewed today, as well as previewing the FA Cup and subsequent fixtures to come and whatnot, and as well as any talking points that happen between Tuesday and Friday. Please make sure you hit the follow button. Please make sure you do your bit to raise awareness of the podcast. You not know me, I love doing the podcast, but primarily the content comes out via YouTube. So make sure you're following me on YouTube, Deluded Gunnar, Deluded Gunnar Zero. 04 and all socials links are in the description um so yeah people twitch gang deluded guna 187 um for those of you who are on twitch so yeah people i'm gonna love or leave you it's been a I love and leave you it's been a fantastic hour but yeah man people dg i'm out thank you for listening and tuning in it's been a fantastic deluded podcast i'm out